Hi, I'm Lauren Valbert, and I'm the host of What the Trust, a podcast that explores what makes, shakes, and often breaks trust in organizations and brands. Is trust important in business? Can trust be rebuilt? What does it mean to be trusted? In this podcast episode, I will be speaking with Stephen Haywood, CEO, and Raymond DeConnick, Head of Digital, about the important findings from our 20th annual Trust Barometer. But first off, what is trust? What is trust and why is it important? To answer that question for yourself, think about how you make an important purchasing decision, either in your personal or professional life. Of course, you look at the price of the thing you're buying, but increasingly, we all look at more. Do I trust this company to make a good product? to make it responsibly and sustainably? Do I feel good about using this product or will I feel shame amongst my peers for making this choice? How do I feel about this company's impact on the world? Do you think about these things? Whether you do or not, our Edelman Trust Barometer research shows that many people, especially younger people, are asking these types of questions in their purchasing decisions. That means the very nature of brand loyalty has changed as well as who influences those people when they buy. To dig further into the changing landscape of who we trust, I'm talking to Steve Haywood, CEO of Edelman in the Netherlands. Hi, Steve. Hi, Lauren. So talk to me a little bit about the changing landscape of who we trust. Thanks. It's a really good question. We've been looking at trust at Edelman for 20 years. So the Edelman Trust Barometer is now the longest longitudinal survey of trust in the world. I've been working in communications for most of that period, and what I've seen are some really fundamental shifts in the way that we engage with trust, and that brands build trust, and that brands lose trust. So I'm going to talk a little bit about those long-term shifts and what they mean for us as communications and marketing professionals. Sounds good. The first trend I want to talk about is the inversion of influence. The inversion of influence, it's all about where does trust come from? And how do you earn trust? If you think about a traditional society, it's very much top down. The upper class are trusted, those that rule, those that govern us. And then that trust is kind of used to project influence and project instruction down to the general public who fundamentally do what they're told. It's kind of the Downton Abbey model. What we saw over the last 20 years is this changed into an upside down pyramid where through the rise of social media, actually the man on the street and the woman on the street can be the one that drives trust by either putting their trust in a brand or an icon or an influencer who is doing trust building behaviors or who can destroy trust when they see a brand doing something they don't like. And we can all think of examples of where a brand or an institution has destroyed trust in a heartbeat. I think particularly around the time of the global financial crisis, there are such clear examples of how these sands can shift overnight. That's the long-term trend. But what we've actually seen over the last couple of years is a slightly more nuanced approach to this, where it's not just around the mass public, driving changes in trust, it's actually around the communities which people live within. So communities they build online, communities in their day-to-day life, communities at their work or at their schools or in their neighbourhoods. And within that environment, trust is something that's actually given and received in a much more local sense. So people are thinking about trust in relation to the proximity of the relationship they have with an individual. And I think that's really interesting. I also think a lot of that can be driven to a long-term erosion of trust 
in the media and in social media because people are really questioning the information they receive on their screen from people they don't know. And instead, there's kind of a flight to familiarity and people are looking to build relationships and build trust with those they can directly engage with. Yeah, so I think that that very much taps into the trend of the general unease we're seeing around uh, the information that we're receiving through media and social media and the quality of that. Um, and, you know, we all have heard the expression many, many times, fake news. So maybe you can talk a little bit about how that has actually affected this growth towards communities that you mentioned. Yeah, I think you, you describe it exactly right. There is this real battle for truth out there. So people are tr struggling to understand what information is real, what information is relevant, and what information can be trusted. And if you think about uh, the situation we're in today with the um, pan coronavirus pandemic, it's such a profound example of the importance of trusted information. And what you see is that online and in, even in traditional news, people are struggling to differentiate between trusted sources of information and distrusted sources of information. And that has a very grave impact. And I think this is an example of where that has even a, a life-threatening impact when people are not receiving and working with the right information and following the right instructions. And this is why issues such as trust are so fundamental to society, but also to brands. So I think that one of the things that we have seen quite clearly from the trust barometer data is the decline over the last decade, certainly, uh, in, in trust in government uh, and the increase of expectation of the average person that businesses are the ones that are going to solve problems or should be the ones that are solving problems. What do you see as the role of government versus business in the future? I mean, is it going to continue that we look to business and other institutions to solve these societal problems? Or do you think government still has a role to play? I mean, look, government and business have been in a long-term waltz over the last couple of decades. So government has been seen as the solution, particularly again after the global financial crisis, to many of the problems seen in society. Unfortunately, in most markets, government hasn't delivered on that promise. So what we're seeing is that government, while seen as broadly ethical and broadly having the right intentions, which might come as a surprise, but is what we see in the data, is not being seen as competent enough to actually deliver on those promises. Whereas business is being seen as highly competent and able to deliver on these promises, but not acting with the best of intentions and not ethical. So there's this real gap. There's a kind of divergence. On the one hand, we want people to be ethical. We want people to be able to perform and deliver. At the moment, there's no institution, not business, not NGOs, not media, and not government who are in that sweet spot as being seen as actually able to deliver and also wanting to do the right thing. Any tips for how such as businesses uh, can step into that gap and, and be seen as more ethical? I think the answer is inherent in the question. Business and government and NGOs and the media need to work together more closely so that each can build on the trust driving attributes of the other. And together they can all move into a more trusted domain where they're seen as both competent and ethical. And uh, that is really the key message for me from this year's trust data and from our retrospective of 20 years of looking into trust, that the more that there is partnership between those institutions, the more there is an opportunity to drive greater trust, build more belief in the system and overall make a more positive impact on society. Sounds like there's a real opportunity there. Thank you, Steve. Thanks, Lauren. 
So as you can probably hear uh, from my voice, I am American and I've been living in the Netherlands for 20 years. Um, what I noticed when I moved here 20 years ago was the cohesion of Dutch society as opposed to the US. I mean, it makes sense. It's a small, generally homogenous population with a representative multi-party government. That means people feel generally connected to each other and represented by government. There's also, on average, a high level of education, literacy, and news consumption amongst the Dutch, which means they have been more resistant to worrying developments such as the proliferation of fake news, influencing opinion, and even elections that we're seeing in other Western countries. However, what I do observe is, as a result of these factors, there's a certain smugness amongst especially highly educated Dutch people, as if what is happening in the U.S. and the U.K., such as political polarization, increased corporate control of the government and media, and the rise of fake news, isn't happening and won't happen here. But there are some trends that would indicate that those assumptions are simply not true. I have noticed the increased Americanization of the Netherlands, especially over the last 20 years. I'm not alone in this. Other people have been researching this trend for years, such as Professor Rien Siegers of the University of Groningen. But it is certainly true that Dutch businesses have acted more American in regards to employee layoffs, reductions in benefits, and flattening of salaries. Our trust data has shown that this is causing an increase in fears for the future amongst the Dutch general public. It also means that Dutch people are increasingly feeling a disconnect between what a company says and what a company actually does. The Edelman Trust Barometer data from this year shows that the majority of the Dutch public feels that companies in the Netherlands, whether domestic or foreign, act in the interests of their shareholders, not in the interests of their public. Which is perhaps why people trust a person like me much more than they trust company spokespeople, as Steve and I talked about before. This disconnect is particularly seen and felt in digital media, which has provided companies an unprecedented ability to reach a very targeted group of their customers. But have they done it right? Or has the use of digital and social media created even more of a disconnect between companies and the general public? So, Raymond, what do you think? Did companies get it right? Um, some did, some didn't. But let's start a little bit broader first. So what we have seen is that distrust has been growing within the digital sphere and, and as you probably could imagine, uh, specifically in social media. Uh, you already talked about fake news. We've seen online manipulation of elections. We have seen very unbalanced uh, activism by, for example, anti-vaxxers or people that deny uh, the climate change. And all these things didn't do the internet a real favor. Sure, but... Those are not things that are per se initiated by companies, right? No, but but everything comes together online. So if we zoom in on, on brands and, and companies, we see that they play their own role in creating a negative uh, vibe on the internet. I think if you look at how it all started out, um, the, the World Wide Web was really like a place where people could connect. And I think brands and marketeers were given amazing new opportunities to open a dialogue and build relationships. However, if you look at the last 10 years, you really see that there has become a very strong focus on a conversion, on very short-term thinking. So we've seen like hardcore performance uh, marketing and very intrusive uh, uh, targeting of online consumers. Uh, we've seen the cookie regulations coming up as a response to that. We've also seen a massive uh, growth of people using ad blockers. Right. 
And overall, you see that people talk about it in a very negative way. Yeah, those follow me ads are going to drive me absolutely insane. Don't look at shoes at your partner's uh, laptop because he or she will be... Followed by shoes forever. Definitely. And what's what's very interesting is that we also have seen companies and brands... Uh, reporting about the fact that they feel they have overspent on digital advertising. For sure. So you actually see that it is counteractive and that they actually see that they spend more and the conversion is lower. So there's a really need for more focus on on long-term branding, more human relationships, etc. And brands like Unilever have even taken a stand on the way that they spend on social and digital. Yeah, they they actually uh, looked at influencer marketing and they responded to the fact that a lot of uh, influencers have been exposed by by using fake followers, having uh, click farms to like posts, etc. And we also seen that, at, for example, the big tech platforms, so especially Facebook, has, has come under a, a huge pressure because of privacy issues, which, again, are uh, related to uh, intrusive targeting opportunities and the fact that they didn't create any boundaries to keep things uh, healthy. So we're now in 2020. Uh, where is the internet now and where are we going, do you think? Yeah, well, the internet is not dead. Um, I mean, basically... I think you can relate to that, but we are, or we are asleep, or we are awake, and when we are awake, we're fully connected, all the all the time, every day, every moment. But we see that there is a similar trend happening online that is happening in the physical world. So consumers and, and, and people in general are holding brands responsible for their actions, and they also believe that companies should take the high road and and do principally good. Um, so, for example, you see in the trust barometer this year that in the Netherlands, uh, over 50% of people actually hold brands accountable for advertising on platforms that openly distribute fake news. In other markets, it's even higher, and it runs sometimes up to 85%. And um, we already see that brands are being like um, uh, targeted with activism because of this. So I think we right now are at a, a crossroads where a lot of people are becoming aware of these issues, and not many brands have solved it in a definitive way. So what what can brands do to avoid these pitfalls? I mean, to bring trust back into their digital presence? Um, first of all, I think they need to be aware, not just of the content and the formats that they use, but also the context. So where is their content being shown? On what platforms? With which people are they being associated? What other publications can be found uh, surrounding their content? Basically, brands need to do a better due diligence. Secondly, when this awareness is growing, um, we actually believe that brands should be and could be more proactively and take responsibility towards online societal issues. The ones that they choose need to be relevant, but there are many, and there are many that are really alive within people's opinions. Think about children's safety on YouTube, think about digital inclusion, think about fighting uh, fake news through trusted content. Well, one of the examples I really find powerful is what Dove has done with its advertising and the fact that it is uh, consciously trying to include pictures, visuals of people who look like real people uh, of all genders. And I think that that is a strong statement. Yeah, and I agree. And I do think that some of the brands that will actually be the first in this area, that they will be called out for uh, any type of washing. 
But having said that, I think it is the right thing to do and they should keep doing that. And I think brands need to really understand that their media buying power uh, can actually help change the online world for good, just like it is the case in the real world. That sounds really powerful. Thanks, Raymond. You're welcome. I think those are inspiring words to end on. Uh, We can all make a change, both on the online world as well as in the real world. So I'm hoping that this inspires some companies, some brands, some institutions to start making uh, that impact. And I think that our trust data will show that that impact really makes a difference in the way that people actually view your company and buy your products. So it's a win-win and hopefully also a win. Thanks for tuning in. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please be on the lookout for the next one.